It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Support for this podcast comes from the first one with DJ Khaled, a new podcast only available on Amazon Music. What's up, y'all? This is DJ Khaled, and this is the first one. I talk to the most iconic artists on the planet about songs that didn't change the game, but changed their life. We hear from all the A-list music stars like J Balvin, Nas, and Kelly Rowland, who tell their stories about their first hits that took them to being overlooked to being overbooked. Join me every Thursday, only on Amazon Music. What up and welcome into another edition of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm James Erpine. Jake Lisko going to join me in a few short minutes. Make sure you subscribe to this daily Bengals podcast, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Podbean, Megaphone, and wherever you get your podcast, including Spotify. This show presented by Built Bar, the number one protein bar in the world on the planet if you guys have listened to this show you know how much i love built bar and right now get ten dollars off your first order with promo code locked on and save 50 percent this week at builtbar.com we're loaded on today's show we're going to start with uh some news of the day so to speak as the bengals virtual offseason winds down and then Jake going to join me, as is John Sheeran from Cincy Jungle, to discuss an article that John wrote about Joe Burrow, and it's really data-heavy and data-driven, and it looks at a bunch of quarterbacks dating back to 2006, specifically rookies and how they performed. You're not going to want to miss this conversation There's a lot of data in it, like I said, a lot of numbers, and John does a great job of explaining it all. That and more ahead today on the Locked On Bengals podcast. The Bengals virtual offseason is winding down as Zach Taylor and company are putting the finishing touches on what has been a very unique time to be an NFL coach, to be an NFL team, as we're all dealing with COVID-19. This is your Locked on Bengals lead story. I'm James Erpine. The Bengals virtual offseason is coming to an end. This is the last week of meetings for the veterans who will meet for the final time virtually. At least they hope it's the final virtual meeting of the offseason this Thursday. The rookie set to hang around for another week as coaches put an exclamation point on what has been a crazy, crazy offseason. The entire NFL and really anyone is hoping That it changes next month as training camp scheduled to begin on July 28th at Paul Brown Stadium. And and it's quite interesting. I'm looking at a piece that Jeff Hobson did from Bengals.com. And special teams coach Darren Simmons says, quote, I think we've gotten a ton done. Just from a practical meeting standpoint in terms of installation of stuff, we're probably as far as we've ever been. He also goes on to say, I would trade all of that for some time on the field. I would trade all this individual meeting time we had to get more time on the field, but that's not part of the process right now. And the reason that is so noteworthy is because the Bengals are where 31 other NFL teams are at this stage of the offseason. They want to get on the field. Of course, they want to do it safely. They don't want to put their friends, family, or anybody else at risk with the COVID-19 outbreak. At the same time, it is really, really hard to do your job at the level that they're expected to play football 
without being on a football field. That's just the reality of it. So when I look at this and you see how honest Darren Simmons is and how honest Zach Taylor was last month when it was simple, he said, look, you can't replace on-field reps. That's just the reality that every NFL team is dealing with right now. Now, I I did think that this was also uh, a news nugget that is worth pointing out. Trey Hopkins, who is arguably, and probably not even arguably, is, this is probably almost a fact, if not a fact, even though it's really my opinion, Senator Trey Hopkins, the most consistent player up front on the offensive line. Steady Eddie, as I call him. He believes that, that missing the physical reps, it's a big deal, but the mental reps specifically for the young guys are extremely important. Hopkins said the advantage for the younger guys is they're not as overwhelmed with the physical right now. It's a great opportunity for the rookies to at least know what your assignment is. You might not know the technique, but you know the assignment. There's less to think about from that aspect. I do think that's important. Now these young players need the physical side to respond to the mental side. But what do you think is more challenging for Logan Wilson or Akeem Davis Gaither or T Higgins or Joe Burrow? It's the the mental side and getting all of that aspect down. Of course, the physical reps would benefit, right? Joe Burrow would love to be throwing against NFL defenses and NFL defensive backs and throwing to AJ Green and Tyler Boyd and John Ross and T Higgins and the list goes on and on and on. But you can't do that. And so if there was one thing I would say from a, a rookie quarterback, rookie wide receiver, rookie linebacker, it's making sure the mental side is ready to go. So then when training camp gets here, and hopefully it gets here on July 28th, when the Bengals are scheduled to have their first training camp practice, and I hope I'm there covering it for you here on Locked On Bengals, that the mental side is done and they can just focus on the physical. That's the difference is usually in a normal offseason, you're coming along at the same pace, the mental side and the physical side, and you try to bring them both together and you go 25% of each and then 50% of each, and then you install everything and make sure everything's good to go in training camp. Well, this year, it's not that way. It's the mental side, and they're hammering home the mental side, and you just hope that a lot of these rookies and young players and new players that have come from different teams to Cincinnati, you hope that these guys are, instead of, let's say, 80% of the way they're mentally, they have it down. They have the playbook down. It's like a, it's not a new language anymore. It is their language. They've adopted it and they have it down. That way, when it's time to learn the physical side, and there's going to be mistakes, but when they get out there and they get on the practice field, that they can play at a high level. That's the hope. I'll tell you what I hope for. I just hope training camp starts on time and football isn't delayed because I don't know about you, but the last thing I want from a sports perspective, all these sports are trying to come back. I just want the NFL in September. I want to be watching Bengals Chargers at Paul Brown Stadium on September 13th. That's right. I just want football. Guilty as charged. And, you know, I'm fine with the NBA returning and all these other sports returning. And I know baseball and the owners are idiots and all that stuff. That's fine. Uh, But to me, and look, I work. I cover the NFL. That's my job. But even without that, having football this fall, on Sundays and Thursdays and Mondays and who knows if college football doesn't have a season and I I think they will at least some teams will even Saturdays that's what I want and I think that's what you want as well you know what else I want you to do I want you to rethink your auto repairs because a lot of you listening to this podcast probably do 
your own auto repair and you might change your own oil or replace a headlight or replace a bulb, your turn signal bulb, right? We all do certain things like that. I don't consider myself handy, but I do little maintenance things like that. Like I change the air filter in my Honda Civic, things like that, that, that don't take much time. And even if you're not handy, you could look up a YouTube video. Here's how you get that filter. Here's how you get that bulb. Instead of going to the big box store that might not have it, you go to rockauto.com. It's the easiest way to get parts for your car. Instead of standing at a storefront, which no one wants to do right now, when someone asks, do you have an EX? Do you have an LX? Does your car have a moonroof? How many tires does it have? They ask all these questions. rockauto.com is just, it's the easiest way to get it done. Instead of answering a bunch of questions and then finding out that they have to order your part online anyway, Go to rockauto.com, have parts shipped directly to your house. You're going to save big money. Rockauto.com is a family business. It's serving auto parts customers online for over 20 years. So go to rockauto.com, shop for auto and body parts from over 300 manufacturers. It doesn't matter if you have a Honda, a Toyota, a Fiat. It doesn't matter. A Daewoo. Some of you don't even know what a Daewoo is. Guess what? They have it at rockauto.com. So go there and let them know that Locked On sent you. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car, truck, or van. Right, Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. This is Ross Jackson from Locked On Saints. This podcast is brought to you by Carvana. In the age of online retailers, buying a car should be no different. And that's why Carvana invented a brand new way for you to buy a car. That's 100% online. Without leaving the comfort of your couch, you can browse and buy from their selection of almost 20,000 cars. And once you've made the purchase, your car comes to you, delivered right to your door, or you can go and pick it up from one of the coin-operated car vending machines. All of Carvana's cars come with a seven-day return policy, ensuring that you get a car that fits perfectly with your life. Not happy? Exchange it or return it for a full refund. And with its dedication to customer service, it's why hundreds of thousands of customers have ditched the dealership and given Carvana 4.7 stars in customer satisfaction. So check it out, the nation's fastest growing auto retailer at Carvana.com, C-A-R-V-A-N-A.com, Carvana.com. We are now joined by John Sheeran. The guy in charge, right? You're in charge at CincyJungle.com, right? I have a hand on the wheel, essentially, with, with Jason Markham. So, you, you and Jason running CincyJungle.com, which of course is where I got my start all those years ago, working on Bengals content. It was before your time. You would have been probably in elementary school, uh, but that's all right because now I need you to explain something to me. One of these newfangled stats. You did a whole piece with in-depth, and I mean crazy in-depth research on CPOE and EPA trying to figure out what reasonable expectations for a rookie quarterback should be for Joe Burrow. Right, so the whole purpose, I think, of the piece, because I think a lot of people who follow football in general know that rookie quarterback production is, is not great usually. Like the expectations for rookies to step onto the field in their true first year and to be successful above average quarterbacks, it, it's a rare occasion. So that wasn't my purpose of doing this, but I wanted to look at what production actually matters at the quarterback position and what that will look like in terms of analyzing whatever production that Joe Burrow puts together. 
So really, I didn't. I just researched a bunch of stuff. The, the the guy who did all the work really is Ben Baldwin, who's as most people know who are on NFL Twitter, he's one of the industry leaders in regression analysis when it comes to football data, and one of the proponents, one of the proponent speakers on promoting the usage and the implementation of EPA per play and also completion percentage over expectation. And it's really those two metrics combined in using regression analysis that gives us a great understanding of stable year-to-year quarterback production analysis. And what he found is that when you combine those two metrics, it gives you essentially the same information as the PFF offense grade. And he also looked at essentially every major quarterback metric or production metric over the past 10 years. And he found that PFF offense grade gives you the highest correlation from year to year stability. So essentially he, he created an, his own metric of the combination between EPA per play and com- completion percentage over expectation. And it gives you the same information as the highest correlate, correlate, correlative stat or metric at the quarterback position. So I went through essentially every single quarterback season since 2006, over 400 seasons of quarterbacks who qualify for the study. He had to have at least 250 dropbacks or action plays while the game was in between a 10 to 90% win probability window, which essentially filters out garbage time. And of those 400 plus quarterback seasons, 36 rookie quarterbacks qualified and only six rookie quarterbacks ended up with an above average composite ranking um, compared to what the league average was that year. So the results, I don't think were that shocking. If you knew a lot about, you know, what rookie quarterback production should be expected in general. But I think what I realized that the the thesis of the thing is, is just that, you know, Joe Burrow can be an outlier, I guess, and can produce at above at an above average rate as a rookie. But if he does, it should be revered so much more than what I think Bengals fans are expecting. Like they're expecting him to come in and be a good quarterback because Andy Dalton, you know, that was like the perception of him as a rookie. That was that he was was a quality quarterback as rookie. He finished Andy Dalton was a below average rookie quarterback, but the team won nine games that year. So I think the expectations right now for Joe Burrow are high when you talk about Bengals fans, but in reality, this should be more normalized compared to how basically every rookie quarterback has fared in over the past 15 years. You know, what I find really interesting is the athletics, uh, Shale Kapadia did a football nerds guide to the Bengals for the 2020 season. And he also talked about the expectations for Joe Burrow and he used some of the same ideas, not, not actually EPA, but some, some rate statistics at the very least. He's looking at completion percentage, yards per attempt, yards per drop back, touchdown percentage, and interception percentage. And he's looking at the average first-round rookie and compared that to the Bengals quarterbacks in 2019. Of course, the Bengals quarterbacks in 2019 included an absolutely dismal performance for a few weeks from Ryan Finley. Like, literally, you can't be worse at quarterbacking than we got from Ryan Finley in those weeks. That being said, the average first-round rookie is better than the Bengals 2019 quarterback performance. Did you do any of that same comparison? Can we expect that if Joe Burrow is, say, an average rookie, that he would be better than what we got in 2019? In, in honesty, I think you alluded to it. Like, the bar is literally so low 
when you compare, I guess, those two uh, scenarios, like the 2019 quarterback production that the Bengals got and what you would generally expect a rookie quarterback to finish in terms of just rankings for the entire array of starting quarterbacks. Like we, we talk about Ryan Finley stink, stinking the bed for Andy, for 13 games. Andy Dahl was still a clear cut bottom five quarterback in the NFL last year. And that includes you know, some, some of the later games where he started to put a little bit more consistency on tape. Like, you know, th- those numbers, while some of them are a little bit outdated in terms of like touchdown percentage and interception percentage and completion percentage in general, I think they still paint the overall picture that they just got abysmal quarterback production. So the bar is already pretty low for Burrow to eclipse basically what would amount to an improvement in 2020. But the goal, I think, shouldn't be to just be better than last year because, like, you can just, you could have had Andy Dalton come back this year. Presumably, more people stay healthy around him and he'll, and he'll do better than what he did last year and what he, the combination of he and Ryan Finley did. Uh, the expectation, though is to be much better much better than that in the long run that's why you go out and you draft joe burrow who's like the best quarterback prospect in the last 10 years or so um but then again you know the, the numbers i think speak for themselves like the, those rookie averages that that the athletic piece um provided it's still not great and it, it's not about comparing it to just other bad quarterbacks it, it, it should be it should be about comparing it to other quarterbacks who are on competitive teams because that's ultimately what drives a competitive team, a quality quarterback. Like the number one driver in terms of overall team expected points added per play is, is passing offense. And the passing offense is generated by the quarterback production and then by the quarterback's play itself. So it, it should be about trying to be competitive with the average opponent rather than rather than just the standards that were so abysmally low that basically even Andy Dalton in 2020 can eclipse that. John, I look at this piece and you mentioned the, the six rookies that were above average for their year. And Mike Glennon certainly stands out, and you mentioned that in the piece. But the others, Dak Prescott, Robert Griffin III, Russell Wilson, Cam Newton, Matt Ryan. I don't see Andrew Luck there. I don't see Kyler Murray from last year, and he was Offensive Rookie of the Year. I think back to to Baker Mayfield a couple of years ago. He sets the rookie uh, pass touchdown record, uh, I think with 27. Were you surprised that that number was at six and that, for example, Andrew Luck didn't make it? Uh, I, I, I'd forgotten a little bit about how long or how, how Andrew Luck's career, I guess, in the early, uh, started to kind of progressed into what it eventually became because it, it was on like, you know, we, we remember that the whole situation with Indianapolis and how Greeks essentially tanked that team, Ryan Greeks and the, the former general, general manager for not building around him. But yeah, like Luck was basically just a gunslinger back in the day and he would make these clutch plays at the end of the games and, they ended up winning 11 games that year. And he was one of the quarterbacks who produced at a below average rate that ended up with a winning record that they're only of the 30 quarterbacks who were below average compared to, to their respective year. Only six of them posted winning records. And of the six quarterbacks who were above average four of them posted winning records. Um, Mike Lennon, like you mentioned, was not one of them who posted a winning record. And then Cam Newton was also a, a quote unquote loser for his rookie season. But yeah, Kyler Murray last year finished just outside of the above average uh, rankings, um, but but also his PFF offense grade showed a little bit of a discrepancy between his composite grade. Uh, Baker Mayfield was another one where his composite grade was well below average, but his PFF grade was actually 10th best of that year. So it showed that there was more promise than what kind of me, kind of met the eye. And that was another thing that I kind of looked at was that sometimes if the PFF offense grade ended up being significantly lower 
than the composite grade, the next year we almost, I almost always saw a regression in terms of the composite grade. I believe like the big, ex- like some big, some big examples were like Ryan Fitzpatrick, Ryan Fitzpatrick for a couple years. Nick Foles was one as well. The only ones who like didn't uh, negatively regress next year was Ben Roethlisberger back in like 2008, 2007, and Chad Pennington, who are both regarded as, you know, effective quarterbacks at their peak. So th- yeah, there are notable quarterbacks who, on the surface level, produced at a quality rate. Where we look at those volume stats, like touchdowns, interceptions, and yards, and you think, okay. They, they were fine as rookies. You know, the, the, the team itself wasn't successful, but they themselves didn't exactly play like liabilities on the surface level for, for the stats that we usually, you know, come to look at and are comfortable with. When you break it down on a per-play basis and you put more context into what those stats mean, you realize that there's a lot left on the table for those guys. And the, the guys who did produce above average, Prescott, Griffin, Wilson, they also produced, you know, appeasing volume stats. But the context of those volume stats, which is what we're really trying to get to here, they, they meant more, and they m- meant more in terms of mattering for winning football games. And that's why the majority of those quarterbacks who produced above average, they ended up with winning records, and most of them go into the playoffs that year. Well, for our listeners out there who maybe aren't as statistics savvy as you are, John, and, and I'm getting there. This is all making sense to me. I hope it's making sense to everybody listening. But maybe you need some brain fuel. Maybe you need some fuel in general. You can go check out Built Bar at BuiltBar.com, where currently, for I think this week, you can get 50% off everything. And on top of that, $10 off your first order when you use promo code LOCKEDON. They're James Rapine's favorite protein bar. James loves nothing more than talking about the Bengals and talking about Built Bars. You're right about that. And I just ordered the mint chocolate brownie today, 50% off, plus the promo code locked on. Go to builtbar.com. Do it. We're going to make sure John Sheeran, he's wearing a, a muscle shirt right now. We're going to make sure he gets some built bars sent to him and uh, he can enjoy what we've been talking about over the past couple of months here. So, builtbar.com, promo code locked on. It's the best built bar. They have something for, for everyone. 16 different flavors. They'll fit your macros. Go there now, builtbar.com, and use promo code locked on to save $10 off your first order. Hey, what's happening? It's your boy Q, host of the Locked On Raiders podcast. And I hope you guys feasted on the MyBookie Turkey Day free play that allowed users to grab themselves a risk-free bet up to $250. It was basically a free shot at trying to double your money. If you didn't get in on that, what are you doing? Nah, but seriously, now is the time to get some skin in the game with MyBookie, where odds boost, lightning deals, and free bets await all season long. And with the NFL playoffs right around the corner, we know who these teams are. We know what they're capable of, and it's not difficult to find some value in the lines. Whether you're a first-time customer or have been playing with MyBookie for years, there is no shortage of value to be found in the thousands of game lines, unique prop bets, and contests that they offer every week. Sign up or get reloaded today. Find an edge, make your bet, and get paid. They also boast a fully-fledged casino platform, giving you access to all the classic table, slot, and card games you'd expect to find at your local spot. And the best part is, at MyBookie, the doors never close, so you can continue to build your bankroll even after the stadium lights have gone out. Make the right play and sign up today at MyBookie. And when you do, use promo code LOCKEDON to get your deposit match halfway all the way up to 1000 bucks. The terms are simple. You put in $200, they'll match you with another $100 in your account. If you were already planning to bet this season, this is free betting money. It's winning season at MyBookie, so come join in on the fun and win some cash while you're at it. Let's keep things rolling here on Locked on Bengals as we continue our conversation with John Sheeran from Cincy Jungle. And 
John, let, let's continue with your piece here. There's there's a lot of numbers. You're going to have to explain this to me like I'm like three years old uh, as we continue. But when we look at when you look at these six quarterbacks and it's it's basically one in six rookies are going to finish above average. Is is it possible that or, or maybe even probable that Joe Burrow ends up being on the Andrew Luck tier where Bengals fans are left feeling really good about the direction of the franchise and about his performance as a rookie. And yet he isn't one of the the outliers really that finish about with above average production uh, for the quarterbacks in 2020. I think that's entirely possible because, you know, going back to luck, there were definitely moments in that rookie year where you're like, okay, this guy is the real deal. But over the course of a full season, it, he just ended up being below average. That might just be a product of how good the rest of his peers were that year. And obviously, you know, I, I went back to, to 2006 because in 2004, that's when you first started seeing like the pass and efficiency boom after the pass interference rule changed. And ever since then, like you, you have to like basically look at when you look at quarterback production, you have to separate, you know, in errors now, because if you look beyond that, it's just not fair to quarterbacks before that. So even 2012, like Lux numbers, when looking at today, it, it, it's still like it's affected by error. So I think it's entirely possible that, Joe Burrow has numerous games where you're like, yeah, this is the guy and he's producing and he's playing like he did at LSU, but it's inevitable for rookies, especially at the quarterback position to end up looking like rookies, no matter how talented uh, those quarterbacks are ever like since that Mike Glenn season in 2013, like in Glennon was barely above average. He was essentially a borderline average, even below average quarterback that year because his PFF grade was 24th in the league and his composite grade was 15th. So he's included, but it's not like he was essentially a good quarterback the year since Glennon only Dak Prescott has been above average. So it's been, that's at least I think 17 quarterbacks, including Prescott. And only one of them was was above average. That's including guys like Lamar Jackson, guys like Baker Mayfield, guys like um, Deshaun Watson didn't qualify because he didn't have enough snaps, but Jameis Winston, Teddy Bridgewater, Derek Carr, guys who are still in the league today and, and took a while to progress into the quarterbacks that they were, no matter how talented that you are, and the, the the quality of tape that you put on the college level, the NFL will, will kick your ass in year one. And I don't I don't think it's impossible to assume that that's going to happen to Joe Burrow. But there's going to be games where you're like, you know, he's too talented to just stink for the entire year. He's too talented to put out what we saw from Ryan Finley. But over the course of a full season, like there's going to be bumps in the road, and it's it's just a matter of how many bumps that there are. He could end up be he could end up being the above average, but he could also very well be, end up being the below average. And in the range of where Andrew Luck finished, where there's still signs of promise, but from the a macro perspective, from a grand, from the grand sense of, of everything, it could end up being below average. And that's why the Bengals may not be in a position to compete this year. And it is more than just the rookie season, right? You talked about this in the first part of the show. We The rookie season is whatever it's going to be. It, it doesn't necessarily mean anything for the long-term prospects for Joe Burrow. But you also talked about seeing some of that second-year regression. For example, Baker Mayfield, who was 22nd in your composite uh, ranking, in Ben Baldwin's composite ranking, I guess, and 10th in Pro Football Focus's grading that year. The next year, in 2019, we see a, a significant regression from Baker Mayfield. Are there trends that that you notice with with these quarterbacks outside of just maybe the ECC and the PFF ranking are there certain attributes about the quarterbacks, maybe maybe film traits 
kind of things that you see in groupings here? Or is that another project altogether? Because another project that I would ask you about is, can we look at maybe some of uh, Jim Metrics, James Coburn's numbers and, and see how they fit in with the not only the rookie seasons, but like the first three seasons of progression for quarterbacks? All right. And you, you and me both love Jim's data. We're talking about um, seeing how college prospects transition to the NFL and what their potential truly is. And I think that traditional stats in the college level still have a lot of weight in terms of projecting what guys will be in the NFL. I'm not entirely too familiar with, with how his data works in, in the actual NFL level. And also with film, film is forever going to be a variable that has to be utilized by anybody who analyzes data because it's it's the ultimate context provider, right? Like a guy can look tremendous on paper, whether that paper is outdated metrics or metrics that give you more context. The, the film is ultimately what's going to be the, the, the deciding factor when separating the guys that all look pretty similar on paper. And I think if Burrow puts together quality film this year, regardless of the numbers, there is obviously hope for pr- progression instead of just negative regression. Um, in, in terms of the trends with the data, again, there was that discrepancy. If there was a, a major discrepancy between PFF grade and ECC grade or the ECC or the, the, the composite grade, excuse me, if the composite grade is, is a little bit high, the PFF grade is really low, um, it, almost all the time you'll see a regression in, in, the, in the composite grade. Mitchell Trubisky is a, another great example of that, where he was, I think, PFF's 30th ranked quarterback in 2018. And he was like a top 10 or top five quarterback in the, in the composite grade. And you saw that absolute abominable regression last year when we, when we saw who Mitchell Trubisky truly was. Like the PFF grade is essentially combining things like EPA and completion percentage above expectation. But it's, it's, it's injecting that film study and it's injecting that film context into it where you, you get a better idea of, okay, how legitimate is this production actually? And that's why I think when Baldwin ran a bunch of the studies of in terms of finding what, which metrics correlate the best. That's why PFF ended up at, at the top because it injected as much context as, po- as much context as possible. And there are people out there that are still going to say that it's a subjective metric because it's, it, it, it's an eye test essentially, but over the course of now over a decade's worth of data, it, it shows it continues to be one of the most effective metrics and production metrics to look at with quarterbacks. So I didn't really look too much in terms of veteran year to year regression or or anything like that. I'd mainly just looked at rookies in general, but I do think that there is something to be said about injecting the film study with these guys and how that gives us more information about if a regression is going to happen next year or not. John, I I look at this piece and there's a a ton of numbers in it and a, a ton of information for our listeners and for your readers at Cincy Jungle, but I'm sure there's a lot that didn't make the piece. Uh, was there was there anything else, any other data uh, that surprised you about rookie quarterbacks or quarterback play in general as you looked at all of the information and tried to figure out what belonged in the piece and what didn't? Yeah, I think when I initially did this, because I knew I wanted to use EPA and completion percentage above expectation. I wanted to use that initially to to form my own composite. But when I realized that that Baldwin had already done this back in October, I'm like, okay, I'll just piggyback off this like a true journalist. Um, but I also looked at a QBR initially as well in terms of forming a composite. And I realized that it would, it, it would have basically been pointless because QBR 
and EPA per play are essentially mirrors of each other because EPA per play is baked into the formula that that is QBR. So it didn't tell us a lot of new information. It was essentially like a control variable for the the, the, the composite or the, the EPA per play, which is like the main driver of the initial composite. I'm not entirely sure how Baldwin weights uh, EPA per play and, and the completion percentage above expectation, but I do know that I initially wanted to look at QBR as like another variable, and it essentially didn't tell me, or it didn't. It doesn't tell us any new information that we didn't already know. And when he ran his, um, like the, in that study where he found PFF offense grade being like the highest, um, the, the the metric that correlates the the most, QBR is like at the bottom of the list too. So not only does it not tell us any new information, it, it it lies to us from year to year as well. But I knew I wanted to imp- input PFF offense grade as well just to have that film aspect in it. But, you know, that was initially the the plan to do so. But unfortunately, it just was essentially useless once I researched more into the subject. You know what? One of the most interesting things to me when I look at this list, there there are a couple factors that stand out. One of them is two of the best quarterbacks in the league didn't play as rookies, or or in Deshaun Watson's case, he got hurt. Mm -hmm. I, I, I do wonder, because we're in this environment now where I don't remember who it was who was talking about it. I think it was Carson Palmer, actually, who was saying it's harder to rest guys for that rookie year now and let them learn behind a veteran because you only have a five-year deal and then you have to decide, or four-year deal, and then you have to decide on that fifth-year option, decide if this quarterback actually is your future or not. Joe Burrow is going to come in and start in year one. So I wonder how that is going to play out. The other thing that stands out to me as interesting is if you're at the bottom of this ECC composite uh, of this PFF ranking, if you're, if you're like bottom six in both of those numbers, your rookie year, you generally don't come back from that. So some examples of this, like uh, Mitch Trubisky, 26 and 24, Josh Rosen, 32 and 30, Josh Allen, who maybe has come back a little bit, 31 and and 25. So maybe he's high enough in the PFF context that maybe he's, going to be an average quarterback, but I'm still not high on Josh Allen. That's Joe Goodberry talking through me. One big exception, Lamar Jackson, but a lot of that, I think, due to his rushing ability. EJ Manuel ranks 30th and 30th. He didn't turn out. Geno Smith, 29th and 26th. He didn't turn out. Blake Bortles, 29-29. So I, I do see some trends there. You have to at least be not bottom of the barrel your rookie year, or things are not looking likely for you to work out. The expectation is for you to be generally below average if you are just pure crap which is the portals the manuals of the world essentially essentially players just don't change right the, the good players they, they may start slow but they'll eventually find their form the, the bad players the guys who just shouldn't have been drafted where they were drafted they, they normally just show their true colors as soon as possible um maybe that is the case for ryan finley even though the sample size is small um watson uh you mentioned him he i think played 159 snaps he didn't qualify because he needed 250, but he was fourth in terms of the composite ranking if you included everybody, and he was um, he was fourth in in the composite. And I think he was also pretty high in PFF, so there was definitely signs with him as well. Um, but yeah, like if you have the luxury of having an Alex Smith, who in 2017 was one of the better quarterbacks in the league, I think he was second in terms of the, the composite rank. If you have that a guy like that, and you have the luxury of sitting Patrick Mahomes, who clearly needed to sit, who needed as much seasoning as possible in order to take over the Andy Reid offense. If you have the luxury, you might as well do it because you're going to reap the benefits more times than not 
if you if you have just the perfect situation like that. Um, not to the extent of what the Chiefs experienced in 2018, because that was just, I mean, there's a reason why Mahomes might be like the, the greatest quarterback of all time when it's all said and done. He's on a he's on a pace from a production standpoint that I don't even think will ever be meet will, will ever be met, and that's with passing efficiency continuing to rise. Like he's just on a whole nother plane, and they just they did they didn't need to play him, but the Bengals are just not in that in that scenario, and they need to find out who Joe Burrow is as soon as possible to get anything up, up and going here. But yeah, you're right. Like you don't have to light the world on fire in order to provide hope going into year two as a quarterback, but you definitely don't, you need to avoid the bottom of the barrel. And like you said, the guys who didn't, they ended up staying there for the rest of the, for the remainders of the careers, but the, there's still hope for quarterbacks who don't end up being competent from a league average perspective. It, it's still entirely possible for them to grow, especially if they're quarterbacks who you are confident in their film and just their overall ability. Especially the young guys. So so Joe Burrow doesn't have that luxury. I think for me, I'm looking for Joe Burrow. Maybe he's below average, but if he is in that bottom quarter, let's say, then I might be concerned long-term just because he comes into the league a little bit older. We'll have to revisit this one, though, if we do get football this year after the season. That was John Sheeran. You can find his work at cincyjungle.com. You can find him at Twitter at John underscore underscore Sheeran because... I guess he couldn't get it with just one underscore. And uh, I don't think I'm ever going to let him forget it. Until next time, Bengals fans, James will be on on Friday with John Breach from CBSSports.com doing a lot of John stuff this week, talking about Bengals history and why people don't credit the Bengals for the changes they've made throughout the NFL. Until then, Bengals fans, who day and have a good one. Did you watch the 2020 Reds with higher expectations than a first-round wildcard exit of epic proportions? Did you think that the Reds hitting would come around with the signings that they made last offseason? Are you wondering who is asking you all of these questions? Hi, my name is Jeff Carr, and I host the Locked On Reds podcast each and every day, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, every day. Throughout the offseason, I'm going to take a look at these Reds, how they fix what didn't work in 2020, and how they continue their success in 2021. But wait, there's more. I'll also have interesting interviews with players, writers, and everyone in between talking about the Cincinnati Reds. Come join me on the Locked On Reds podcast each and every day.